Well, welcome again. Good to see you. I want to talk for a few minutes about what we're doing tonight and who the people are that we are ordaining tonight. But before I get there, I want to give you some background, and I want to start with a quote from Mother Teresa. It's a famous quote, maybe you've heard it, and it is this, do ordinary things with extraordinary love. Do ordinary things with extraordinary love. The seven men and women that are coming forward tonight to be ordained are doers in our church. They are the people who just take care of things. They're the people that do, in some respects, the ordinary things, like these candles don't just appear out of thin air and light themselves. That would be pretty wild if somebody could just like light a candle. I think that would be really freaky and we'd all run. No, no, no. These people come early. They set up these candles. They're the people that set up the stage. They're the people that work in the booth. They're the people that serve in the gym when we're in here worshiping. They're the people who go and send letters and texts of encouragement. They're the people who are the first to sign up for our kingdom projects in our community. They're the first people to come and they're the last people to leave. These seven people are the doers in our church. Now, they're not the only doers, hear me, but they are the kinds of doers that have lived into the leadership of the ministry and work of a deacon. And so these seven people that we're bringing forward tonight, we're going to do two things. We're going to look in two directions. The first direction we're looking is we're looking back and we're affirming how faithfully they've done all that they need to do for the kingdom of God. So we look back and we affirm that God has wired them for service. He's equipped them. And we affirm that they've lived into this by God's calling. And so then we look ahead and we say, because you have lived this way, because we have sat with you, we've prayed with you, Pastor Bud and myself have met on multiple occasions during this summer since we presented these candidates to our church, and we sorted out and we prayed and we discerned, you know, what are we moving forward? So tonight we look ahead also, and we say, we are going to ordain you, we're going to set you apart, and turn you loose to go and do even more with that extraordinary love that is yours in Christ Jesus. So we're looking back and saying yes and amen. And we're also looking ahead and saying, now go out and serve even more. That with the power of the Holy Spirit, He can multiply all the ordinary things you may find yourself doing for the kingdom of Almighty God. So to ordain means to appoint, right? Have you seen like the knighting ceremonies where we take swords in the UK and they kneel down and you lay a sword? Don't worry, there are no swords that I'm going to be bringing that close to your neck. But you will kneel down because to ordain is to appoint, to set apart for a role, in this case deacon, and for ministry, which is the service. And so to ordain is to set apart and you'll kneel down and will lay hands because that's a centuries-old tradition that signifies the Holy Spirit of God who has filled them and has empowered them for this. We lay hands on them, and it's a way of signifying this Holy Spirit power and calling, and it's a way of also 
sending. And so in a few moments after we introduce our candidates and talk about what it means to be a deacon, they're going to kneel before us and we're going to set them apart in a holy, albeit ordinary looking ceremony that has far-reaching consequences, not just in these walls in the church, but even in our community in the very kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. So this is a good night to be here. So before we go much further, what is a deacon? Okay, what is a deacon? One of the questions we asked our deacon candidates in our last meetings together as we met with each one individually, we said, look, when your friend, your coworker, your mom, your dad, your grandma comes and says, so what is a deacon anyway? What are you doing? What is happening this Saturday, October the 22nd? What do you say? Invariably, all seven, in various ways, the first word or three they said is servant. And they're right. The word deacon means servant. And so, in fact, when the very first deacons came to being in the church, it's in a New Testament book called Acts. It's right after Jesus rose from the dead, right after he said, okay, go out and tell everybody. And he went to the right hand of the Father. The church looks around, and they get working. And what happens when they get working is thousands of people come and say, we believe that Jesus is Lord, and we want to live as citizens of God's kingdom, and we want to do that together. And so what happened when thousands of people came together in the first church is that there were all of a sudden groups that never wanted anything to do with one another gathered in the same name in the name of Jesus. The two primary groups in the very first church were the Hebrew people that came out of the Jewish faith and said, I believe that Jesus is God's Messiah, his king, his chosen son. So they come out of the Jewish faith and they say, Jesus is Lord, let's do this. And then the other big group were the Greeks. And the Greeks came from all sorts of pagan religions with many gods. And they came in and they said, we like the cut of Jesus' jib. He's pretty awesome. Jesus, your Lord, let's do this thing together. So what happens is you have these two enormous groups that are all of a sudden so diverse that would have never contacted each other, never talked to one another, doing it together. They are on mission for God's kingdom under God's king, Jesus. And so what happens is this church with thousands of people, they started doing crazy things like meeting each other's needs. Can we believe that in America, that people actually looked out for their neighbor? I think it happens more often than our political system would lead us to believe. But in the church, it happened in a marvelous way because these are two groups that never spoke to one another. And now all of a sudden, what they're doing is feeding and clothing and walking with and encouraging one another. And so what happened then is these two huge groups, the Hebrew people and the Greek people, they carried with them all of their needy people. So now we're getting closer to what this deacon ministry is all about. Yet, there's no deacons thus far. In the first church, because you had these two groups together, it actually didn't take long, unfortunately, to have the first conflict in the church. Can you believe that conflicts can happen in churches? We laugh because we've been in churches. Unfortunately, one thing about any church, then or now or everywhere, is that it's full of imperfect people just trying to get it along with Jesus. 
And so what happened is there's this first conflict in the first church, and there's all these needy people, in particular the widows. They got kicked out of their houses. They have no means of getting a job or sustenance, so the church becomes the means of support for these widows. And the Greeks all of a sudden said, hey, here's what's going on. I'm convinced that our widows are not getting as much food as the Jewish widows. They are over here getting that dry, white turkey that's been sitting there for four hours in the third quarter of the cowboy game, and it's just nasty, and you just kind of get it because you're just conditioned to eat on Thanksgiving, and nobody really wants it. But these Jewish folks over here, they get the big, bad, smoked, state fair turkey leg, and this is not fair. We kind of laugh about it, but this was a major conflict in the church. So then what happens is the leaders of the church, they were called apostles. They were the ones who had been with the risen Jesus. They were the sent ones proclaiming God's reign. They said, look, we are so tired of all this nitpicking because this disunity is damaging our mission to the world. So here's what the apostles said. Get for us seven men. Okay, Now, in these days, um, women could not do anything in leadership or roles. It was a patriarchal society, and so it just made sense that the educated and uh, just the, the, the ones on the top of the society would be in this form of leadership. And so now we see later tonight, you'll notice that there are women that we're ordaining as deacons. That's because uh, given uh, the church as it grows and expands, when Paul begins to write about um, how to do this church thing, he says crazy things like, in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. In Christ, there is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. Now, are there still gendered people in the world? Yes. What he means is these divisions that once divided us by society in the kingdom of God no longer hold water. In the kingdom of God, I don't care where you're from, what ethnicity, where you grew up, how much is in your bank account. If you're in the kingdom of God, you're a son and a daughter. And so what happens then, he says even in 1 Timothy when he's talking about deacons, he uses language that says, hey, and the women also. So even deacons could be women. It's about time. Because if we rob ourselves of women in ministry, we rob ourselves of half the church and all that God has gifted them to do in leading. But in this case, to get back to our story, he says, choose for me seven men. Now, you remember, what does the word deacon mean? Y'all remember? Server. What was the big conflict? It was over what? Food. So the word deacon is their word for waiter. So congratulations, y'all all came here tonight to see seven people go work at TGI Fridays. No offense, TGI Fridays, no offense, waiters. What is going on here is an ordinary thing that is about to be done with extraordinary love. And one of the first hints we see of this in Acts chapter 6 is he says, Get for us seven men who are full of the Spirit and wisdom. Not just get for me seven men who can hold a plate about yea high, and give it to a widow. Full of the spirit and wisdom. By the way, we didn't go looking for a seven-person quota. It just kind of happened that way. We believe that even in our little church, there are people that are already living into this leadership, and we think that there are more that we want to turn loose for the kingdom of God in the future. We just happen to have seven. And these seven are full of the spirit and wisdom. Deacons are spiritual leaders in the church. 
They're doing ordinary things. They're doers in the church, but they are doing it with the Spirit of God, full of the Spirit. They are Spirit-led and Spirit-filled. These seven people tonight, I assure you I've known them for years Their spirituality is not a thing for an hour on a Saturday evening or an hour or two on a Wednesday. Their spirituality is in all of their life and every aspect of their life. And it's good, bad, and ugly, but it's real. It's authentic. They believe that to be a disciple of Jesus is to be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, how to live like Jesus. And they realize they can't do it on their own, so they go and are full of the Holy Spirit of God. Their spirit filled their spiritual leaders. Now, a leader is somebody who exercises influence. These seven people are people, I've told you, have lived into leadership. They're the ones that are doing so much behind the scenes, and our people notice. Our people, when we presented these candidates at the beginning of the summer, they said, oh yeah, of course. Of course, these people, yes. They have this influence and this way about them that says, I'm doing whatever I can here or there for God's kingdom as it matters. So deacons, you are leaders in service. There are two named offices to work in the church. Elders slash pastors, of which Pastor Bud and I serve because that's how we've been called and wired And then there are deacons who are leaders in service. So what they did is they chose these seven full of the spirit and wisdom. I heard last night Isaac Bronco, one of our students, he said, do you know what the difference between knowledge and wisdom is? And I said, no, what? And he is hilarious. I've never heard this. Maybe you've heard this. He said, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting a tomato in a fruit salad. So when these seven people get brought to the community, when these seven people get their hands laid on them and they go out to serve, in this case food, and to meet the physical needs of the community, they are wise enough to know not only that tomatoes don't go in the fruit salad, but they're wise enough to know that the widow matters, even if she doesn't matter in society. That's the kingdom of God. The most marginal and forgotten person in Bungoma, Africa, with our 56 orphans, or the person down the road who hasn't had a visitor all week, matters. And these deacons are the one who are tasked with going and finding the needs and meeting those needs with the Spirit of God and wisdom. These are deacons. So just to summarize, this will be up on the screen. A deacon is a servant leader called and equipped by God to serve those in need inside and outside the local church because the needs don't stop when you leave this place. We want to live into our new name, the Neighborhood Church. We want to go out and we want to meet needs wherever we find the needs that God wants us to meet. And these deacons are the ones who lead the charge. So how will they serve in the neighborhood church? One of the things we spent a lot of time on together meeting this summer is the three D's to success. You with me, Bobby? You want me to call you out and see? The three D's to success is this rhythm of ministry as they serve inside and outside the neighborhood church, and that is to dream, to discern, And to do, we were so encouraged 
all these dozen or so meetings we had with how much God has given them and birthed in them to dream up to do. They want to be known as a church who meets needs in our neighborhood. They want to be known as a church that is welcoming where every single person feels a part of the family inside. They want to go and do so, but first they dream, right? And so then the second rhythm is this discerning rhythm. We read a book about discernment together. It's got to be saturated in prayer. So if that dreaming phase is, this is what I'd love to do, the discerning phase is saying, okay, but what should we do? It's taking it from the clouds and putting it on the earth and bringing it before God, bringing it before the team and saying, okay, is this something that we need to do now? Because there's no shortage of things to do, but God, what would you love to do that we can join you in? So dreaming, discerning, and then the third thing is they are the doers. That's part of their wiring. We say in this church all the time, of the two offices I mentioned, pastor and deacon, the pastors primarily minister with their words, and the deacons primarily minister with their hands. So I'll wrap up this brief teaching in this way. Back to our original story of the very first deacons. Even though they were doing an ordinary thing like feeding the widows, even though they were spiritual leaders called and equipped by God, full of the Spirit and wisdom, what they did had such a deep and long-lasting significance because what happened was, and it's on the bottom of your handout that you received tonight, so after the deacons were ordained and unleashed, what happened? The word of God spread. The deacons got the first church unstuck because the Holy Spirit of God brings unity and us imperfect people, we love to make some disunity. We love to look at our differences more than what has united us. And so these deacons came as full of the spirit and wisdom and they got it unstuck. The apostles can go and minister with the word in prayer and preaching and teaching. And the deacons can go and minister with their hands and get things done because God has wired them to do it and they do it with extraordinary love. So that's what we're after. And they'll be asking in the neighborhood church continually, who are the people in need? Who's in need in our church that's on the bubble? We know them. But let's not just pray for them. Let's help Join together with the leadership, the pastors and others, to make sure that they are cared for. Who's in need? Who is in need? Do you know that in the, our little church, we, have, are, we are helping people like the first church through physical means, whether that's helping with the bills that can't be paid, helping with medical bills that can't be paid, helping with some physical needs, some stuff that we have, because Freeman Heights has been so awesome to not charge us an arm and a leg, and we didn't go out and buy a building. Why? So we could free it up and send it all over the world and to those in need here. So part of what they'll do is sort out, okay, who's in need, not just on an emotional, relational, physical level, but also financially they're going to help with our benevolence ministry. In our neighborhood, there are people in, shackled by paycheck to paycheck near poverty. And some, they're living there. So how can we meet those needs? Who are the people in need. And then the other question they're sorting out is what does the kingdom ministry need? The deacons are going to help us organize and operate this clothes closet. They're going to help us with all their dreams that they have that God has given them to go and do. There's so many things that we can be doing 
but God, what should we be doing? And then the third question, you know, how can we join God in meeting these needs? So who is in need? What are some ministry opportunities for the kingdom of God? And then how are we asked to do our part? These are what the deacons are up to. They're the doers in ministry. They're the leaders in service. And they do it all full of the spirit and wisdom. And so this is a beautiful night tonight. And I just want you to hear from them for just a moment. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask all seven of them to come up <clears throat> and share a few thoughts, a few words. When we presented them to our community at the beginning of the summer, they talked to us about their journey with Jesus and their calling that God has placed in their life to serve as a deacon. So we've done a lot of that groundwork. And then we spent the last few months reading a book together, praying together, meeting together, and they were barraged with questions. So we thought we'd give them a couple softballs tonight. And so we're going to ask each of the seven to come up and just briefly share with us what this ordination to service means to them, and then what their hope is for the neighborhood church. And so, without further ado, you can clap. It's cool. We're cool with clapping in here. Um, I'm going to invite up here in just a moment my sister, Amy Kahn. Not my real sister, but she may as well be, because she is one of my wife and I's most loyal friends. Amy Kahn is a loyal friend, not just to us, but so many in this church. And one of the beautiful things is she even loves my two little girls well, because like every single week they get a card in the mail. And they love it. And they get mad when there's not a note from Amy. So maybe you should lay off. I'm just kidding. But Amy is one of my most loyal friends. She's family to me, and I love her family as well. And so uh, we're just so glad that she'll be serving in this way because we know that she really turns it on when you are in need. And so I'd like to just turn it over to you for a minute and so you can rip the Band-Aid off and just say what you need to say. God is with you, and you can do it. Um. I love public speaking. Thank you all for <laughs> encouragement. Um, I just can't say how truly humbled and honored I am. Um, I didn't, this is never something I dreamed of being asked. When Adam asked me about this, I was, a lot of things were going on in my personal life, and um, it was just so humbling. I'm really honored just to be able to kind of serve in a more official capacity than what we, I have been the last like 10 or 11 years that I've been here. Um, Toby, who will come up later, we've been setting up candles and doing coffee and taking out trash for 11 years. So <laughs> um, that's just who we are. And so it's great that God has called us to be able to serve and love. Um, my hope for our church going forward um, is that we would be able to meet the needs, that people would see the church as a place to come for emotional, physical healing. They would understand that that our king is powerful and he's relevant to the world today. Um, that's really a huge thing that I want to see happen um, in this coming year. Um, I would love to see maturity, things that we can do to encourage our people to hold on and grasp a hold of Jesus um, and let him mature them and grow them so we're having more deacons and having more people wanting to step out and do more things to meet the needs in our neighborhood. Um, but, yeah, that's me. Thanks. Beautiful. Next person I want to invite up is my brother Steve Arend. Uh, Steve 
in our church, if you've had something break, uh, Steve has probably been uh, right there to help fix it. Not break it, fix it. Steve is a servant. He's just got such a servant heart. We've seen him ready to fix things, but we've also seen him just ready at a moment's notice to drop whatever he's doing and help. And one of the most beautiful things in this last year is to see he and April welcome Boston into their home. Uh, we've had to, we got to spend some time with him, but uh, a few weeks ago we preached in James, the letter, and it says, pure religion is this, that you care for the widows and orphans. So he's already been caring for orphans, and now I'm so grateful that he'll get to turn loose and help some widows too while we're at it. All right, well, thank you for uh, calling me second. Amy took one for the team there. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, all right, so when I was asked to do this, I immediately thought, man, I'm not qualified for this. When I think of a deacon, I think of Robert. Um, I think of anybody but me. And uh, so I was, I was kind of taken back, and, and I started to think about it a little more. And um, I, I said, why am I comparing myself to someone else? God's going to use me in his own unique way, so... It's not really for me to compare myself to someone else. It's to just do God's, God's work and, and help those who need help. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely willing to do that. Whoever, whoever would, would need help, I'm, I'm always willing to do it. Um, my, uh, I guess my vision for this would just be that, that God uses each one of us in our own ways, Robert and his ways of fixing everything himself. Uh, Amy doing her thing and me doing my thing and all the other deacons doing doing whatever God is calling us to do and really bringing our church together as a family. We've we've been at this church for quite some time and we've seen many many families come and go. But when you're in a church, it's it shouldn't just be hey, my name's Bud, my name's Amy. It should be family. It's we're we're together in this. So when we when we can see each other's needs and work together as a church, not just this deacon doing this or, or this person doing this, it's everybody coming together. And whether it's an idea or a dream from any one of us, um, that we all apply it and do it. And, I mean, one of us isn't going to make a difference, but when all of us come together, it's, I mean, God, God's going to use each one of us. So I just, I'm excited to see it. Um, I'm excited for this. I'm considering this as an opportunity that God's put in front of me to, to dream up, to, to make happen, to, to whatever he wants. So um, I'm excited. So let's, uh, let's do this as a church and, and uh, grow together as a family through the, the years to come. So thanks. Thanks, Steve. <clears throat> awesome. All right, I want to reintroduce you to Toby Brooks. Many of you know Toby. Uh, one of the things I love about Toby is not just that she sends me text messages about Halloween stuff because we love Halloween. Side note, uh, she's a gifted teacher and uh, I think she really downplays it. Richardson Independent School District doesn't really downplay it. They know how much of a rock star she is. But one of the things I love is even though she's been there to help set up stuff in the communion, uh, her teaching gift really manifests itself in some really powerful wisdom in our church. And when I say wisdom, I mean for me. I mean so often I call her, what do you think about this? And, and Toby has just uh, been so, so gifted, not just as a teacher, but, but with wisdom. And so uh, it's just a privilege to, to have you, my sister, too. So say a little bit. 
Well, um, unlike Amy and Steve, when they asked me to be a deacon, I was like, yes, finally, I made it. <laughs> oh, man. I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. Does this, is she qualified now because of that? Like this whole humility thing? Oh, dude. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, man, no, that's calling, I was, baby. I was, though, really excited when I heard about us um, having official deacons because a lot of us have been serving and if somebody had said, who are the deacons in your church, you could point out people and go, well, they're kind of like our deacons, but I'm excited about our church. We've kind of gone through a lot of changes over the years, and this is just another way that I think we just kind of prayed and didn't rush into anything, and we just let God kind of do what he wanted to do with our church, and it's led us here. And um, that's exciting because we didn't know that was going to happen, but um, I think that's just what happens when you have elders and people in the church that are praying and not trying to force their own agenda, but just trying to love people and love God. Um, so that's kind of the most exciting thing for me about tonight is just I think it really signifies a chapter in our church history, history um, where we're really getting really serious about serving the people in our neighborhood, putting down roots where maybe we haven't done that in the past. And so that's exciting. Um, for me, I've kind of been, I've always felt like kind of like an odd duck or it didn't really bother me. I don't say that to belittle myself, but I've always just kind of been my own person, let, gone through life, doing my own thing. And so um, just greeting people out here and um, following up with visitors, my hope for the neighborhood church is that everybody that walks in here that whatever makes them unique, it wouldn't be something that they feel out of place for or, um, or that they'd feel criticized for. But whatever it is that makes somebody unique, that that would be valued here, that they would know that they can add something to us that we don't already have. Um, and so I feel really called more to um, ser continue serving the people within our church in that way. Um, I'm also just really looking forward to serving the neighborhood around here, getting to do the rock in summer. There are a lot of little kids there that they just don't have a lot of adult interaction in their life. And even their adults, it's, it's not due to lack of love. It's just, you know, people have different paths in life. And there's so much need in this neighborhood that it's overwhelming when you think about doing it all on your own. And so I'm really excited about having other people do this with me. And we're not going to do everything, but hopefully we'll hear what God has called us to do in this neighborhood, and we'll do that. We'll be obedient, and that's that's what I hope for this church. Awesome. Beautiful. want to bring up my man, Sid. Big Sid Kiesler. My girls call him Big Sid. Uh, Sid, yes, always greets me in a unique way uh, that I hope he doesn't hear on stage but uh, I've just been so gifted to know Steve. Our church has been gifted to get to know. Uh, I said Steve because I just looked at Steve. Hey, Steve. Thanks we've been gifted. Yeah, yeah. We've been gifted to know you. We also been gifted to know Sid, and especially when we traveled to Africa and the great work that he has helped doing there. And what was so cool was to see firsthand in Kenya how you were a doer. That was your love language. That's your wiring. You are a doer, my man. And so this is just a beautiful honor to affirm what God has already done and to see what God will do. So why don't you say a few words, brother? Thank you. Um, I've got a disclaimer. I've followed three prolific speakers. 
And uh, <clears throat> I'm not trying to be millennium, but uh, I had this speech printed out with real large type that I can re read very well, and the printer did not cooperate. <laughs> so uh, I'm afraid otherwise I'm going to talk a lot and say nothing. <laughs> so if you would forgive me, I'm going to read what I wrote. Uh, <clears throat> what does the ordination to serve mean to you? Being ordained as one of the neighborhood church deacons does not mean recognition or honor, but a call to service. I believe God will use the neighborhood church to further his kingdom in this neighborhood. It is my desire to, service, to serve along beside you to accomplish this. Two spiritual gifts I have are hospitality and encouragement. I have the desire to know each of you and uh, to, to know each of you and to do what I can to make you feel welcome. Within the next few weeks, we're going to have printed directories for the neighborhood church for each family. Please use this tool to get to know everyone's name and help them feel welcomed. Everyone needs encouragement. It is, uh, it is my goal to be an encouragement to those who appear to be discouraged or just need an encouraging word. What is your hope for the neighborhood church? That we become what our name states, the neighborhood church. Our church has much to offer. Our doctrine is sound. We follow the teachings of Jesus. We have great worship music. Each week, the good news of Jesus is preached. And we have neighborhood groups that meet each week. We need to be a church that makes everyone know they are welcomed and loved by Jesus and by us. Kathy and I recently visited a church, and not anyone in the church even noticed us or came by and spoke to us. We did take the initiative to go and introduce ourselves to some of them, but they were clustered around their friends and didn't take the initiative to come and speak, speak to us. When we have someone visit our church, we need to take the initiative to meet them and welcome them and let them know uh, that we're glad they came. And this shouldn't be li limited to visitors. We need to follow this approach for everyone, even those that come each week. We never know what kind of week someone has had an encouraging word could be significant to them. As we strive to be a good neighbor and invite our neighbors to come along beside us, we should not disappoint them when they enter our doors. One of the best methods to determine if we are truly the neighborhood church is to ask the question, would anyone except our members be disappointed if the neighborhood church no longer existed. Let's work together to be the church that serves our neighbors and is loved by our neighbors. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve beside you. Amen.
Sid, don't ever be worried about what you're going to say again, brother. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, I want to invite another friend from Kenya, Robin Craddock, up. She's a missionary, and not just in Kenya. Uh, Robin really sees this neighborhood, really sees her relationships as an opportunity to uh, to proclaim and demonstrate the good news of Jesus. She also does that beautifully in our church. Last week, she's she preached. Uh, she is on our teaching team. She's... Uh, and I'm just really excited for her to come and uh, serve in this way now. Well, I'm really excited that I'm not preaching tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so this is, this is a piece of cake now. Um, but it is a very meaningful night. Um, when I was commissioned and sent to Kenya a couple of years ago, I told the folks gathered there that I was absolutely certain of the call that God had put on my life to serve. And I said at that time, you know, that I felt privileged that part of that calling was being sent to Kenya to live in Africa with the orphans in Bungoma. And I continued by saying I would feel the same call if it were to North Dallas or South Dallas or anywhere. It was the call to service that mattered. Mm. And tonight, what tonight means, it is a confirmation that those weren't just nice words on a piece of paper because I feel the same sense of privilege mm because God has called me to walk next to all of you guys as we walk into the neighborhood and as we gather here on Saturdays. And, and that, you know, I told my friend tonight that I kind of saw this like a marriage ceremony, and my mom has been waiting for this a long time. <laughs> Answered prayer. <laughs> so it is kind of like a, a marriage ceremony in that I am, I am standing here tonight saying I'm with you guys. God has called me to walk with you. So I'm... It's joining myself to you guys tonight. And when thinking about what that future looks like for the neighborhood church, I kind of boiled it down to a, a quote I fell in love with when we did our Ruth study. Uh, Carolyn Custis James said, More often than not, when you dust for the fingerprints of God, you come up with the prints of one of his image bearers. Mm -hmm. So my prayer for this church is that we cover all of our neighbors, and all of the neighborhoods that we go to, we cover them with God's fingerprints. Amen. And the exciting thing is, is we have no idea what that looks like. That is so vague, isn't it? <laughs> so vague. And that's what is so exciting. That's for you all to figure out. That's huh? right. But it, it means that we're going to be pushing into God more so than ever so that we can hear his voice and we can discern where do our fingers need to be? Where do those prints need to be left? So I'm excited um, to see what God has in store for us and how he's going to use not just the seven being ordained, but all of us. It is all of us. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. Thanks, Rowan. <clears throat> Aaron Sarkis, if you need it, Aaron will do it. You should have a business card that says that. He is... He has a beautiful story that has just been such an encouragement to me um, of how he really came to grips with who Jesus is and his calling and what it means to be his disciple. He came to faith in this church, uh, really and truly. He, he, he made his faith his own in this church. And uh, just to see him as he's been running, I think, with Jesus since then. Not to say that he's like perfect, he's really authentic. Not to say that he always gets it right, but no matter what he's going through, he's going through it running. Am I right? 
Let's hear, let's hear a few words. So, um, yeah, thank you for the intro. You'll have to excuse me because this is not my thing, y'all. Um, I just appreciate being uh, just brought up here. I, you know, this whole process, whether you know it or not, like we never asked for it. We, I, I don't really want it, to tell you the truth, because this, really, this isn't really my deal. You know, I, I kind of sit back playing the bass because it's perfect for me because I've got this whole, I'm in the background, you know, I kind of do stuff in the background. I kind of hide, but, you know, now we're out in front of everybody, and, and so um, I just feel honored, um, like you've heard many times before. Um, I feel really undeserving, um, but that's what Christ does, right? He calls undeserving people to, to be his hands, to be his feet. Um, and, and most of all, I just, I just feel, you know, humbled, really. I mean, we're, we're, it doesn't look like it, but, you know, I'm up here, and, and the lights are on me and all this, and, but, but this call is to, um, is, is to come under people and to serve other people and to encourage other people. So while I'm up here, um, you know, lights on, everybody looking at me, it's great. It's, it's really a call to, to come under people and um, to, to encourage them and, and, and to, to walk or to run or jog alongside their, their journey with Christ. So... Um, and my, my hope for this church um, is that, that we can kind of step out of our comfort zone. I know this, is, this right here is, is not really in my comfort zone, um, but that's what, that's what Christ calls us to do is, is to step out of your comfort zone, whether it be greeting people, you know, or, or, or doing whatever for the church, um, whatever they need. Um, so it kind of confirms that I'm on the right path um, following Jesus, but it also means I have a lot of learning from not only from the Bible, but from you guys. Um, you know, to keep me on that path. So uh, my hope for this church is that we can transition um, as one who meets, you know, maybe one or two nights a week, Sunday or Saturday and Wednesday, to, to kind of step out of our comfort zone and, and, and to meet the, the needs of the neighborhood, right? I mean, we, we see the, the, the missionaries go thousands of miles away, and, and they, they do awesome stuff in different countries and different cultures. And all, but, I mean, there's people 50 feet from here that need the same exact thing, and I think a lot of times Christians, especially Christians, we look up at the big, huge, the big, huge things to do. And I want to be a missionary. I want to go 10,000 miles. Well, there's somebody that needs the same exact thing 50 feet from here. So, you know, maybe we can recognize that and, and take that, you know, take that upon ourselves. So, again, thanks. And, um, yeah. Right. Awesome. <clears throat> And we have uh, one more candidate to introduce, Mr. Robert Vaughn, or as I call him lovingly and affectionately, Bobby. He's the longest tenured unofficial deacon, is what many say. I think someone referenced, oh yeah, Robert's like a deacon. And in fact, he kind of talked about, you know, an unofficial deacon ceremony, you know, a while back. But when we talk about living into leadership, all of these people represent that. Uh, he's just been doing it in the longest unofficial way and uh, to, I could not count on two hands or my ten toes how many times he has served my family, just me, uh, much less this church, and also the broader community, and Freeman Heights, and on and on down the line. Every day I call him, and we talk quite a bit, he is doing something for someone. And when he's working, he's doing something in Denton for the paramedic and fire department. He is always doing something. And so uh, that's not to pump him up. That's to say that he's living into this just like each one of them here in service. And uh, I just uh, am so grateful to call him uh, my brother, one of my best friends. And so why don't you share a few words for us? Um, thank you, first of all, for letting me serve in this way. And uh, <clears throat> I wanted to start. I'm so happy that 
that I'm wired for the hands and not the mouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> if any of you know me, this is like, la, 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 and it doesn't connect most of the time. And it's so great because my uncle's here today, my Uncle John over here. And uh, I look back on, on my life. He gave me a job a while back, gave me a chance to work with him for a while. And, and we had a great time. And he was always saying, slow down, like mm -hmm. slow your speech. And so it gives me comfort that I don't have to anymore, you know, because I just keep talking. And, uh, no, I, th I think about what it means to, to be a deacon. Um, I try to look for the, the men before me. <laughs> um, just the men before me that serve. And I just, my dad's over here. And <laughs> my dad had surgery, knee replaced a week ago, and he's here, you know, to, to see this. And it's just, uh, you know, growing up, I, I saw my dad, and I saw the love that he had for people, just for everyone, you know, just uh he would go and mow somebody's yard. He would go and, and just give somebody money, you know, at the gas station. He would, and, and it was always never for money. It was never for profit. It was never for recognition. He just did it for love and did it for Jesus, you know. And so uh, when, when you have such a great person ahead of you to, to look at and to see and to, to try to fill those shoes, uh, it's, it's, it's been easy for me just to, just to love people. And, and I feel like it... Uh, I feel like it's always been something that God has gifted me because it's not a chore, you know. Sometimes when God gives you gifts, there is a, it, it's, there's a cost to it, and it's hard, but it's never a chore. It's always, it's always a gift. I always mm -hmm. feel so encouraged to help you guys and to, to serve, and, and I know that this is not any kind of halty, uh, you know, position for me. This is, for me, this is what I've been doing for years, just loving you guys and serving you guys, and, and we're all the same. We all are charged to do this, and so... I'm I'm so I'm I'm honored and humbled and you know just love you guys and I, I love the direction our church is going and and I think about what our what our church you know what's my hope is that we look like Jesus mm. and um, what that looks like not just in here but what we look like in the community you know how we move out you know I think about Freeman Heights and they've let us come and partner with them and and share this building and, and share ministry also just this place Garland you know. And I think about us, like, what can we do with them to, to join together these, these two congregations to be the church? You know, what, so my goal is, as something that I feel called to do, is to help that, you know, to, to, like, grow that. And then also I think, you know, a great thing for us to do is just to, just to dive into this neighborhood and love people, you know. Jesus loved people. He loved everyone. He didn't, he did, it wasn't about status. It wasn't, I mean, he loved the rich. He loved the poor. He served them the same, and, and that's what I try to do. And so, um, so thankful. Amen. So at this time, we just have a, a few more <clears throat> elements to go. Uh, at this time, what we're going to do is invite all seven of you to, to come forward and to kneel and face the congregation. And I warned them about this, but this is their first act of service that they, that they kneel. And so what's going to happen is the band comes, they're going to play quietly for a few moments, and then uh, while we're ordaining them, uh, they're going to lead us in a song. Um, but what I'm going to ask of, of uh, all ordained persons, if you're willing and able, uh, to, 
come by and lay hands on them. And like we talked about earlier, that's a symbol of the Holy Spirit that's already called them, equipped them, and filled them. That's a symbol of this kind of falling afresh for this new ministry. And then it's also a symbol of that we're, we're affirming that what God has done and we're sending them out into what's ahead. So what's going to happen? We just invite you just to, maybe we can bring... Um, well, we can keep the lights up, but they're just going to play quietly. And if you'll allow us, we're just going to pray over these people. All ordained persons are welcome to come. And uh, as we do that, uh, we invite you to, to just lift up a silent prayer of uh, blessing over them, too. If you could join us in that way, maybe not with the actual laying on of hands, but just where you sit as we spend these next few moments ordaining these uh, new deacons. Well, deacons... Can I invite you to stand and would you just show your appreciation and encouragement for these deacons? Amen. You guys can have a seat on the floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And you're welcome to have a seat. If you guys want to sit on the front row, uh, briefly, I just want to uh, say what you've all said so beautifully tonight, and that is that this is a charge, a call to service, and that even though we all stand, stood up to encourage you and to honor you, uh, we do know that, that uh, this is a, a role of humility, and what's so beautifully, beautifully illustrated by our servant king is that he came not to be served, but to serve. So now, as you're ordained, I would just like to send you a brief charge to say that as you serve, you must serve like Jesus and with Jesus. And that is in humility. Because if you go and serve in your own power, you will burn out. You will do good things, but you will not do the best things. But you will also do things, as we said earlier, are so ordinary but it's never beneath Jesus to love the things that the world would say is low. Because Jesus made himself low. And I love the illustration. And I'd love for you, as you think back on this night, to consider the Savior of the world. That John said the Word was in the beginning with God and the Word was God. Then he said, and then the Word became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. And as Pastor Bud, in just a moment, will speak over you a blessing. This is the same word that was with God, that was God, and yet he didn't count equality with God, something to be exploited for his own advantage. But he made himself nothing. So you've just been ordained into a service where you can be a nobody trying to tell everybody and show everybody about somebody. And you're following his example. And so on the last few nights of his life here on earth. He spent them with his friends, his apprentices who were learning to be with him, to be like him. And so they came in for a meal at the Passover festival, which they had done year after year after year after year. And they went into this secret place and they had this meal and there was already a thick kind of somber atmosphere around it. And as they sit down to the meal, Jesus does something really surprising. And you already probably know what I'm about to tell you, this story, but it's surprising. 
And it's surprising because what Jesus does is he gets up. He would have been seated at the place of honor. He would have been seated at the head of the table because he was the teacher, he was the Lord, and everybody else was learning to be like him. But he stands up and he walks over, and you can just imagine 11 eyes, because even Judas was there at this time, looking at Jesus saying, what is he about to do? He had surprised them before, right? You can think fish and loaves. You can think all these big spotlight awesome things that Jesus did. He'd surprised them then. But in the quiet somber meal with his closest friends where there are no spotlights. What Jesus does is move from the place of honor. He steps on the outside. He takes off his outer clothes and he picks up a linen cloth towel. He wraps it around his waist and they're shocked because they're looking at him and they are now realizing what he's about to do. And what he does is the role of a slave. In the Roman Empire, there were hundreds of thousands of slaves that were nameless, faceless, devalued, dehumanized, just as ugly as it was in our country then. And Jesus moves from the place of honor. He comes here. He sheds all the things that make him look like the rabbi that everybody called him to be. And he bends down with a towel around his waist. And he does the work of a nameless, faceless slave. And I bet not one person is saying a word. And I bet on their face they say it all. What the heck are you doing? And what he does is he gets down because they would have walked all day. It's late at night. They're wearing sandals. They've got mud caked on their feet. And anytime, especially the Jewish people like Jesus' disciples were, came in, they washed their feet, they washed their hands, and they prepared to lay down and kind of at a, a position like this to eat. And so they needed their feet washed. But because it's this private dinner, nobody had done it. So who would do it, right? You would think it would be one of the disciples kind of further down the table. Oh, it's my turn to do it this week. No, Jesus moves from the place of honor. He comes from the place of dishonor. And he does the work of a nameless, faceless slave. And he gets down. He's shocking them. It's silent. And he does the personal and dirty work of washing their feet. The Savior of the world, who John told us was with God and was God, not only moved into the neighborhood in flesh and blood, but he moves to the bottom of the totem pole so he could serve underneath those who had been following him. People will follow you, but you must never forget that you are a follower of Jesus. And you must never forget that you're at the front of the line. No, no, you're not at the front of the line. You're at the back of the line. And you might be helping us move along. And you might be helping us remember that it's not about the lights. It's not about how many clothes we give away. It's not about all the meals we send every week to homeless folks. It's not about all that nice stuff. It's about being the type of people like Jesus who would walk away from the spotlight and do it where nobody else would see. But do the work of a nameless, faceless servant. There is no one unworthy of your service. There is not one person you can meet in here or out there that is not worthy of the kind of love that Jesus showed even his betrayer, Judas. Because if Jesus could love his enemy, if Jesus could love the people that couldn't understand what he was doing, you are free to go and serve anyone. And so that's my charge to you. Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord and you're right. I should be seated up here. I should be the one that thousands of people flock to. But if I, your teacher and Lord, have served you, 
you must go and serve others. So go and serve like Jesus and with Jesus in humility. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now we invite Pastor Bud to read God's word over you and to speak a word of blessing as we bring our time to the close. And as he comes and does this, we want to present you with a certificate to kind of commemorate this evening. And we also want to give you a towel, a little piece of a towel, because we want you to remember and maybe use it as a bookmark that there is not one person who's unworthy of your service. So we're going to hand these certificates out as Bud prepares to kind of bring this service to a close. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And just looking over these verses and looking over y'all, several words or phrases just define our deacons. United with Christ, tenderness, compassion, joyful, no selfish ambition, no vain conceit, humble, they value others, and they all have the nature of a servant. Every one of these statements describes you all. And now, let us pray over and bless our new deacons. Most merciful Father, we praise you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, 
who took on himself the form of a servant and humbled himself, becoming obedient even to death on the cross. We praise you that you have highly exalted him and made him Lord of all, and that through him we know that whoever would be great must be servant of all. We praise you for the many ministries in your church and for calling these your servants to the order of deacons. Make them, O Lord, modest and humble, strong and constant, to observe the discipline of Christ. Let their life and service so reflect your commandments that through them may many come to know you and love you. As your son came not to be served, but to serve, may these deacons share in Christ's service and come to the unending glory of him who, with you and the Holy Spirit, lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.